3. Uh, please go ahead and turn to John chapter 3. And we are continuing a lesson that we started a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Brother Dimitri preached last Sunday. Uh, so I started this lesson the Sunday before last, and I'm finishing it uh, today. And the, the theme was, title was, You Must Be Born Again. We dealt with part one uh, last time. We're going to deal with part two uh, this morning. And we're going to start the reading with verse number 11 of John chapter 3. And we'll read all the way through the end of this discussion that Jesus has with Nicodemus. Verse number 11 says, Most assuredly I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe it if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is a condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to that light lest his deeds should be exposed. Now you may understand why some people just prefer to sin because they like it. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they, may be, that they have been done in God. You must be born again, part number two. So in the first part of the lesson, we, we, we were introduced to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a religious leader at the time. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus after hours. He comes to him at night. He comes to him at a time where he does not want his religious peers to know that he's consorting with, he's talking to Jesus. Because you will remember, the Pharisees and Sadducees did not like Jesus. And Nicodemus, like many people, are afraid to be associated with Jesus or with religious activities at all. And, and so Jesus reads Nicodemus' heart and simply deals with the issue that Nicodemus came to inquire about but has not asked a question about. And so Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. If you want to see God, you must be born again. Uh, the idea is that you must change. Something has to happen in your life that's radical, that's transformative, if you want to be in relationship with God. And we need to be okay with telling people the same thing today. Amen. If you want to be a part of the kingdom, if you want to be a Christian, you must be born again. Now, we also got to tell them that if you're going to be born again, you've got to be born again the way Jesus says it. 
That's through water and through the Spirit. Because we deal with a lot of people today who want to be born again, but they want to be born again their way. And they want to create their own standards of what it means to be faithful and what it means to be in a saving relationship with Jesus. Now, we've got to have the courage that Jesus demonstrates as we engage people and simply tell them what God says one must do in order to become a Christian. Don't ward it down. Don't weaken it. Don't get caught up in the fact that this may offend somebody. Tell them what Jesus said. And If you do that, you have done what you need to do uh, as we seek to educate people on the new birth. Now, what you also saw in the last time we were together is that there is a dialogue, there's a discussion that goes on between Jesus and Nicodemus. Uh, Nicodemus says some things. Jesus responds. Jesus makes a statement about being born again. And Nicodemus obviously doesn't understand this because he starts thinking, I'm an old man. Uh, Does that mean I'm going to have to go back into my mother's womb to be born again? Now, you guys know that's practically impossible. That, that, that can't happen. And so we know Nicodemus has missed the point. And, and I need for us to understand, many times when we're talking to people about spiritual truths, they miss the point because their minds are already made up on what they think the answer is. So you talk to people about being saved, they already think they're saved, so they don't even listen to what you're saying that Jesus has said about salvation. That's why when you talk to people, you've got to be clear on what you're saying. Do not assume that the person understands it or gets it, especially when you know their religious orientation. Right. And so there's a discussion that goes on, but in the verses that we're going to be dealing with today, there is no more discussion. Because Jesus has exposed to Nicodemus that you don't know what you've been talking about. Right. You're a teacher, but you don't understand the very word you should be teaching. And so what follows in the discussion today is simply the words of Jesus. So there are times when we're in conversation with people and we're going back and forth in the, in the discussion, the dialogue, uh, that there comes a point where you just need to teach it. You just need to teach it so they can get the point, so they can listen to it, because obviously they're not getting it through this back and forth. Now, you can't teach it if you don't know it. Now, some of us need to acknowledge, we tried to teach this and didn't know it, and when we were questioned, we got all confused. I need for us to understand, we have been called to teach people, but you got to know what you're talking about. So as I keep saying, practice on the folk in your house. So that when you go out, well, some of us need to teach the folk in our house. We don't need to practice on them. But find some people that you can share this information with so that you can make sure you understand it so that when you're questioned about it, you can respond appropriately to the questions that are being asked. So as we pick up with verse number 11 in this uh, section of the passage, Jesus makes very clear to Nicodemus that you don't understand. You're missing it. And really, Nicodemus represents the common person. At that time, who had seen Jesus heal. Some of them had been around when he had provided uh, free meals to people. So so they had an intellectual understanding of him, 
They liked what they saw. They liked the entertainment. They liked the free food. But then there was a problem with believing what he was teaching. So people can come to our worship services or they can come to your house and, and give intellectual assent that they understand what's going on but not believe anything you said or anything that we teach. So he refused to believe what Jesus was saying. But he knew some scripture. Anybody know some folk who know a scripture or two, but they don't believe the very scriptures that they know? So, so people can read their Bible and still not understand what they're reading. If you don't believe me, think about the Ethiopian eunuch. And I need to say there are some church folk who read their Bible and still don't understand it. And we ought to be the, the people who, when we're reading stuff and we don't understand, we go get help. Not, not try and buffalo this thing and, and, and act like we know when we don't know. Because we need to know because you never know when you're going to be in conversation with someone and this very thing that you're shucking and jiving on may come up in a conversation. Jesus says, we know and testify what we have seen, but you don't receive our witness. So when Jesus says we, he's talking about himself and his disciples. They know the word of God. They know what God says. When he talks about the you, he's talking about Nicodemus and people like him, the people of the Israelites who did not know, who did not understand, because they're living under a religion of works. You earn salvation. Uh, it's because of the things that you do or the things you don't do that earns you salvation. And I hope that none of us are thinking we earn salvation. Salvation is a free gift that we have to accept, but you can't do enough to earn a seat in heaven. You can't attend worship service enough to earn a seat in heaven because you know there's some days you've been in worship you didn't want to be there. There's some days in worship you were sleeping. So you had worship, but you were sinning. So that would not have counted if you're into counting up what I did right and what I didn't do, stuff like that. So it is important that we understand some things if we're going to truly understand the idea of the new birth. Because it's about doing things differently than the way you did it before. It's about understanding some things differently than the way you understood them before. And that's our challenge when we talk to people about the new birth is getting them to put aside preconceived ideas. Getting them to put aside maybe the very principles that they were raised believing. We sometimes expect we're going to have a religious conversation with people and they're going to believe and follow everything we say. That's nice to think that way, but that's not how the world works today. Maybe 50 years ago uh, that could have happened. But today, people got a little knowledge. Uh, they may not understand uh, the plan of salvation, but they understand something. They go to church somewhere. Even if it's Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter, like some of us do. You guys get that later. It's Thanksgiving weekend. That's why some of us rolled up in here. Next week, it won't be attached to a holiday. Oh, and by the way, the last Sunday next month is attached to a holiday. So we're going to have a good crowd on December 26th. Because the 25th is Saturday. 26th, 
be Sunday. That's right. See, that's a part of a paradigm that needs to shift. You don't just come to church service when it's close to a holiday. You come to worship God every Lord's Day. And you make it a priority so that whether your kinfolk are in town or not, you come into worship service. So, at the very outset, Jesus helps Nicodemus to understand that there are some things we know. And there are some things you think you know, but you don't know. So keep that in mind as you and I talk to religious-leaning people. There are some things that they think they know that they really don't know. So I don't know about you, but I've been in many conversations with religious people, and they will argue you over points that have no Bible significance. But because they genuinely believe this, because this is what they were raised up being told and taught, they will fight you to the death. You got scripture to support what you're saying. And they well, I believe. And I was born. And I was told. And so I want to say, don't engage in fighting with people. Simply share the truth of scripture with them. And it becomes their responsibility how they're going to deal with that truth. Because we don't want to cloud the water. We don't want to muddy up uh, the discussion. Jesus said, if I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? So Jesus has already had an encounter with Nicodemus where he simply talked to him about being born again, the new birth, and he didn't get it. So Jesus said, if you're not going to get that, how are you going to get me discussing some spiritual things to you if you cannot understand some basic uh, humanly things? He says, because Jesus understands that there are some concepts people are not going to get if they're walking in the flesh. They're not going to understand the kingdom of Scripture. They're not, not going to understand the concept of one church when they can physically see hundreds of churches. They're not going to understand all of them don't belong to God. That anybody can set up a church on the corner and call it whatever you want to. They're not going to understand that the church belongs to Jesus and it ought to wear his name. Not some dead prophet's name or some street or uh, 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 what's the word I want to use? Some mountain's name. Yeah, some mountain's name. We'll leave it there. The church needs to be tied, the king needs to be tied to Jesus. So we learn from this that Nicodemus does accept something that Jesus says. Remember, he said, we know you're a teacher come from God because nobody else can do these miracles. The problem is he could see that, but he could not see that Jesus was God. Because not only was Jesus doing these things, but as Jesus was doing, he would say, I'm able to do this because I'm doing my Father's will. He would pray before he did some things because he wanted people to understand that the origin of this was from his Father and not from himself. And you and I would do well to remember that also. Stop taking credit for stuff. Make sure people understand that you are where you are because God blessed you to be here. You are a Christian today because God opened your eyes to see the truth of, spirit, uh, the truth of Scripture. It wasn't because 
you were, as some of us say, we were born into the church. I know what we mean when we say that. But you had to obey the gospel to become a part of the kingdom. You had to hear something. You had to learn something. So even though he accepted Jesus as a good teacher, as a teacher that was connected to God, he refused to accept Jesus as God's son. And so as we work with people, as we talk to people, it is important that we help people to understand Jesus is not just a good man. He was not just a good teacher. He was, in fact, God in the flesh. And since he is God, we must obey him. We don't have the luxury of just saying, he's a good teacher, so, uh, you know, there's some things he said I, I like, and there's some things I don't like, and so I'm going I'm to go with the things I like. But we live in a world where people pick and choose. Now, let's be real. Some church members pick and choose also. But we have to recognize, we've got to stick with what the word of God has to say. And, and sometimes that's challenging to do that when the very people you're talking to get upset with you. They get mad at you. They don't want to talk to you no more. There is nothing or no rejection that you and I experience today that Jesus didn't experience. So why are you getting so bent out of shape? Because somebody said, I don't want to hear what you got to say. Oh, I don't agree with you. Remember, they crucified Jesus. I don't think I see any nail prints in anybody's hands up in here. If you got some, show me. Raise your hand high. To help in his discussion with Nicodemus, Jesus also says, no one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. So Jesus helps him to understand if you want to know about heaven, talk to somebody who's been there. Amen. Talk to somebody who's been, who's been there. He, when he says, no one has ascended, but he who came down from heaven, the son of man, that's Jesus. Yeah. Jesus was in heaven. He came down from heaven. So if anybody can tell us about heaven and how to get there, it ought to be somebody. There you go, sister. <laughs> we live in an age now where everybody writes a book. Everybody is an expert on theology and stuff like that. And they put their leanings, their spiritual leanings into the book and into the movies that they create. You need to recognize this stuff that you guys re read is biased. It may sound good to you and it may be entertaining, but is it biblical? Uh, some of you saw the movie Heaven is for Real. Some of you probably bought the book about this boy who died and went to heaven and came back. I need for you to understand, nobody, Jesus said, has gone to heaven right. and come back. Right. So on these talk shows where people talk about their afterlife experiences, and some of you just glue to it when they do that. Well. What was heaven like? Jesus says, nobody's been there. And I need to say this for those of you who go to funerals and want to preach everybody in heaven. Well. When folk die, you do not automatically go to heaven. We'll go to funeral service. Well, I know he's in heaven now. She's in heaven. And, and, and they're walking around with grandma and, grand, and grandpa, and they're just waiting for the rest of us to come uh, to the great spiritual family reunion. That's good preaching at a, at a funeral. It's just not true. 
And I say that because some of us can get caught up in that when we're up making remarks at a funeral service. Because I've heard some of you say some stuff. And I understand it's about trying to make people feel good. But you need to speak the truth. And you don't even have to go in that direction. Because you're there to help comfort the person. Don't be lying to them. So all the great patriarchs that you guys read about in Scripture, none of them are in heaven yet. Their bones are somewhere on earth. I need to pause because I know that's news to some of you who haven't studied the scripture enough to know that they're not in heaven. Now, you can say they're in a better place and all that kind of stuff, uh, if, if that's what you want to say, but don't put them in heaven yet. Especially when you know they weren't living according to what God said. They weren't born again. They weren't Christians. We can comfort, but we don't have to be. All right, sister. You said it, I didn't say it. What we need to come to recognize is we need to listen to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 1, 1 and 2. God, who at various times and in various ways spoken times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. You and I need to be listening to Jesus. Amen. Not the TV entertainers. Not somebody who wrote a book. But we need to listen to a person who's been to heaven, who's come back, who can tell us what heaven is like, but who can also lead us there. And so if we're willing to follow Jesus, then we won't have a problem with this idea of being born again. Our problem is we have been following people, and they have been our models of what being born again or being a Christian is. The problem with that is those people are weak, human, and sinners like the rest of us. So they may have a good stretch, a week or two, where they do good, and then the rest of the week they do bad. Look at Jesus, somebody who will always hold up God's standard, no matter what day it is, no matter what the circumstance is. And you find yourself growing then. But see, if we get caught up with the people that are around us, we can get some bad attitudes. We can start thinking we're better than other people. We can start thinking we're more spiritual than we ought to be because, you know, I do more than he does. I do more than she does. Well, it's not hard to do more than somebody who's doing nothing. And those begin to tend to be the people we measure ourselves against, somebody who's doing nothing. You don't measure yourself against somebody who is actively involved in ministry. But you can always find a scoundrel around here. That all they do is just show up for services. And you say, I'm better than that person. I don't consider it a plus to be better than somebody who's on their way to hell. I don't know about any of you. Now, to help Nicodemus in this discussion, so that he can begin to see where he needs to place his trust, Jesus gives an illustration from the book of Numbers, 
with the verses in number 14 and 15. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21, and we'll start the reading with verse number 4. Numbers chapter 21, and we'll start the reading with verse number 4. Numbers 21, starting with verse number 4. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Eden. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and, set, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole, and so it was. If a serpent had bitten, bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. You guys know the story of the Israelites. Uh, they are on their way from Egypt to the Promised Land, and they are complaining. Because they have some minor inconveniences. And in this text, the people are complaining. That the verse 4 says they got very discouraged. But they're complaining uh, because they don't have no food and no water. Now they're lying. They don't have the food that they want. And they don't want to have as much water as they want. But God has been providing for them. It becomes easy for God's people to stop being thankful. They're out of slavery. They're on the way to freedom. But they're complaining because they're not getting it the way they want it to be. So they complain. And the text says they not only talked about God, they talked about Moses. I'm amazed at how God's people are quick to forget. Now we get caught up in the world and Thanksgiving is the third Thursday in November only. When you ought to be thankful every day you wake up. And when you open your closet, you ought to be thankful. When you look at the shoes on the, well, some of you got your shoes all organized tonight. But wherever you got them organized, you ought to be thankful. When you go in the cupboard and you got a stuff from the top to the bottom in there, you ought to be thankful. When you look in your pocket and you ain't to pull out cash and plastic, you ought to be thankful. And then when you walk out of your house and you got one, two, three cars sitting out in there, you pick the one you want to drive today. In the text, these people are unthankful, they're ungrateful, and they start complaining. And God says, okay, I got something for you. I'm going to send some snakes to take care of the ungrateful. Maybe the Lord needs to send some snakes today to some of our houses to create a sense of gratitude and thankfulness instead of always acting like God is holding back on you. So, and, so, and so God sends uh, these fiery serpents and the people, of course, now they want to repent. So when judgment comes, everybody, oh, I'm sorry, and, and, and you want uh, the, the, somebody to pray for you. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say this and then go back. Uh, uh, you know, 
the person does that, and everything is going okay for a while, but then you go back to your old ways. Okay, so pretend I didn't say that, because that's not here. But I need to say that. So, so the people sin, they come to Moses, Moses prays for them, and, and God tells them, okay, put a serpent on a pole, hold it up, and everybody who's bitten who looks at this will live. So they got some instructions. If you want to live and you've been bitten by a snake, uh, look at this serpent that Moses is holding up on the pole. I think that's called obedience. I think that's called following directions. I, I think that's called looking to the source of life. And so when we get back to John, Jesus uses this illustration to help Nicodemus to understand just like the people in the wilderness had to look at this serpent for life, anybody living now has to look to me for life. So as we're talking to people, we need to help them understand if you want eternal life, you got to look to, look to Jesus. Not some dead religious leader. But look to the king who's alive and well. And so just like obedience required, they had to look at this serpent on the pole. Obedience here looks like you got to look to Jesus for salvation. you got to be faithful to him if you want to live. And so the question to us today is, do you want to live? Do you want to live? You and I need to recognize Jesus came to die for us. And we ought to be thankful for that. You need to be thankful that he, the Father, and the Holy Spirit agreed to this long time ago and he was willing to come and die for us as a part of God's plan for salvation. So he had to die. He dies in our place. I think Paul says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. Do you want to die? Are you thankful Jesus died in your place? And he bore the, the consequences that you and I should be bearing for our own sin. It'll make you appreciate him. It'll make you uh, understand why you must be born again. Anybody want some healing today? Yeah. Anybody want to be saved today? You got to look to Jesus. Amen. You got to look to Jesus. And so I say, as we're teaching people the gospel, help them to look to Jesus. And help them to understand you got to keep on looking to Jesus. So it's not just looking to him uh, for the period of getting baptized. It's looking for him when you come out of the water and for the next X number of years he gives you to live. Because we, we have started this strange scenario where people feel, uh, once I get baptized, I've done everything I need to do, and I'm, I'm on easy street. Well, you just got on a rough road then because now you got to live for him for the next years that he gives you. You got to keep looking at him, looking to him for uh, stability and for uh, protection and guidance, which is some of the things that we don't do. Out of the period of time, we want to guide ourselves. That's why we've been running in the ditch so much. That's why we've had uh, these wrecks on life's highway. 
That's why he had so many bad relationships. Because we've taken our eyes off of Jesus. There is no life, no real life apart from Jesus. So stop acting like you're big and bad enough and you call the shots. Jesus calls the shots. And as long as we're trying to do that, we will continue to be wrestling and tussling. And we'll find that things are more difficult than they ought to be because I'm trying to do it. So in the latter part of verse number 15, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. In John chapter 17, verse number 3, Jesus will tell us this is eternal life. Eternal life starts on earth. It starts when we have a relationship with Jesus. We act like the only spiritual blessings we're going to get is when we get to heaven. That shows you don't understand scripture. You start getting spiritual blessings while you are alive. And if we live faithful to him, then there's just more to come. We already talked about in one of the earlier lessons that the Holy Spirit is a down payment on future blessings. So you and I have eternal life right now. You don't have to wait till you die. Now the ultimate fulfillment of that is when we get to heaven. But you get a taste of it right now. And I don't know about you, I've tasted of it and I want some more. So I like the way you guys were at the Thanksgiving table. You sampled and tasted some stuff, and it caused you to go back for seconds and thirds. Go ahead and tell the truth. Some of you may have even gone back for fourths. Because we make Thanksgiving holiday about food and not about giving thanks. So if you want eternal life, it starts now. Start cultivating a relationship with Jesus now. Start understanding you got to obey him now. Because if you don't obey him now, how are you going to obey him later? As a matter of fact, how do you think you're going to get to heaven? You got a lot of church folk that think they're on the way to heaven, but they're on the way to hell. Now, I said now you get upset with me, you get mad with me, but hopefully you'll be motivated to do something about your situation. I know where I'm going. I'm waiting for my ticket. What about you? And I can say that with confidence. Yeah. Can you say that with confidence? You still, I hope, I, 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 I'm hope. I don't. What's the purpose of you coming to worship service all these years, reading and studying scripture, if you don't know something by now? See, when your relationship is right with Jesus, you can have some confidence. I didn't say I was perfect. I didn't say I never made any mistakes, but I got a relationship with Jesus that's going to carry me to heaven. And I don't have to be perfect to go to heaven. Neither do you. So some of you have been sitting around here trying to wait until you get everything together. You will never get everything together. But that shouldn't stop you from forming a relationship with Jesus right now by being born again. Death is all around us. You people going shopping during these holidays. Folk are shooting folk at malls and stores and whatnot. You're going out on Monday to the mall to get some, some deals. It may be the deal. Oh. 
because you may be on the news. Like Sister Michelle was on the news, but she was talking. You may be on the news stretched out. So get your relationship right now. Some of you are already planning for Christmas. What guarantee do you have you're going to be alive come Christmas? Stuffing all the gifts in the closets and under the bed and all that kind of stuff. You may not live to open them. See, if we understood that, that kind of reality, that all you have is today, we live a whole lot different. So Jesus goes on to say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's good news. But recognize that's not good news to everybody. There, there, there is and there, not, there, there is and there wasn't and never will be anything all that special about man that God has given us this privilege. So stop thinking you all that. God in his infinite wisdom chose mankind while we were yet sinners, before we were even thinking about him. So we are where we are because of God's love, not your love. Because God loved the world. God loved the sinful world. God loved the people that were in the sinful world. And he loved them so much that he gave his one and only son. Now, some of you sitting up in here with one child. What kind of love would it take for you to give up your one child? It's going to take a whole lot of love. Now, those of you who got multiple children, you can give up one. You still got some. But if you got one, it's going to be hard to part with that one. You and I need to recognize there's one Savior for the whole world. If you're going to be saved, you're going to have to meet Jesus. You're going to have to look to Jesus. Not some other way, not some other scheme. But the text also helps us understand that everybody in the world will not be saved because you've got to believe on Jesus. And it's belief that causes you to act. Because there are many times we say we believe in something, but we don't do anything about it. You and I need to understand unbelievers are going to perish and go to hell. That's your unbelieving kinfolk. That's your unbelieving spouse. That's your unbelieving coworker, your unbelieving neighbor, your unbelieving friend. That's their destiny unless something happens to change it. Since we are aware of that, and since you say you love these individuals, then you ought to be doing all you can to introduce them to Jesus. And you all not act like, well, we got another 20 years to get this right. No, you don't. You may not have another 20 seconds. We need to be thankful for God sending and sacrificing his son to give us an opportunity. Now, let me just step back a moment because you may feel that you are already right with God because you have been baptized, and because you go to a building that has the name Church of Christ on it. I need for you to understand, if your relationship is not right with him, you're not saved. I need for you to understand, your parents can be saved, but that doesn't mean you're saved. We don't get saved on the group plan. 
salvation one at a time. You need to understand that. Your children's soul is in jeopardy. And all your other kinfolk. So don't take this lightly. Now verse number 17 gives us something to smile about. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus did not come to judge the world, to condemn the world. He came to save the folk who are in the world. That's powerful. He came because of love. He came to help man who had fallen away from God to have a relationship with them. Jesus will say in Luke 19.10, I came to seek and save the lost. He came looking for the lost so they could be saved. Now, if the lost don't want to be found, then they're going to stay lost. But if the lost appreciate what God has done by giving his one and only son, then the lost will step up and take advantage of this grace that God has provided for us and exercise some faith in response. So he came to save the world, and that includes Jew and Gentile. Even though the Jews didn't get it, God knew what he sent his son for, and that was to save everybody who would believe in his son. So verses 18 through 21 reminds us that the lost are condemned because they do not believe in Jesus. So lost people are lost because they don't believe in Jesus, not because they're bad. Some of you in here are bad. You're bad, but you still believe in Jesus. But if you're bad and you don't believe in Jesus, you're lost eternally. If you're in here and you're bad, but you are in a place where you can learn how to be better. And so all of us ought to be striving hard to be better. Don't settle for, well, you know, this is how I've been. And you don't mess with me because I'll let you have it. You need to get past that kind of stuff and recognize that's ungodly. He didn't die for you to have a chip on your shoulder and dare anybody to knock it off, and then we fight him. He didn't die so you can continue to be cursing folk out. He, he didn't die so you can retaliate evil for what you perceive to be evil. Because some of us act like we have been saved to do all that kind of stuff. No, that, that's the mentality of loss. You have been saved so you can turn the other cheek. You, you have been saved so you can walk the extra mile. You have been saved so you can love your enemy. You have been saved so you can pray for those who despitefully use you and talk about you. So that's what we've been saved for, but, but that's the kind of stuff we want to put in the corner. So this belief that Jesus is talking about includes denying self. So if you're going to, if you're going to be, uh, be born again, you're going to follow Jesus. You're going to have to learn how to discipline yourself to recognize I don't need everything I want. And you got to know that for yourself. Nobody needs to be able to say that for you. You got to recognize, I don't need to max out my credit card just because the holidays are around. I don't have to buy everybody I know a gift. Stop trying to buy love and buy favors. 
Because some of you, you give a gift because you know down the line I'm going to want something. And, and if I have done this for this person, uh, they're going to be considered of me. Well, I'll tell you this. If you buy me a gift, you really need to be wanting to give me a gift because I'm not going to feel compelled to give you one. So, so don't try and butter me up and whatnot. Uh, I appreciate your gifts, but chances are you're not getting one from me. I give to you 365 days a year, 52 Sundays a year. And most of the time when I'm giving on those Sundays, all you do is complain about it. So I've been over backwards all year long trying to give to everybody. So belief here involves denying self. It involves submitting to Jesus. Now some of us won't submit to authority in our lives. Some of you wives won't even submit to your husband. Some of you uh, children won't even submit to your parents. Some of you workers won't even submit to your supervisors. And so when you have a problem with submission, you're not on your way to heaven. Belief involves on the Lord's day gathering with God's people. So when Sunday comes around, there ought not be no doubt about what we're going to do. We're going to worship service. And we're not rushing out of worship service to be the first in line at the restaurant. Because some of you, you plan your lunch breaks right at about 1230, 1245. You start planning that stuff around 1 o'clock. Because we're not going to rush the worship service. We're not, we're not going to rush it. If you need to leave, then tiptoe out quietly and don't distract the rest of us. We need to see the gathering on Sunday as special. Because some of us will not see each other again for seven days. You're not coming to midweek services. You're not coming to any of the other activities this week. And so this will be your only opportunity to see us in seven days. Guess what? Some of us are going to be sick next week and we're not going to be here. So it may be 14 or 21 days before we see each other again. So prioritize. Make it an appointment, just like your dentist and your doctor. You go to them. Oh, and by the way, you go because you got insurance that pays for them. You need to have some insurance with Jesus. That's a sermon all by itself. I won't, I won't go down that road. But just I'll leave it at that. You need some insurance with Jesus. And being born again allows you to have some insurance with Jesus. And just like you got a card that says you have this insurance policy and you can go to your doctor or hospital and give it to them, when you got your business straight with the Lord, you got insurance and you got a card called the Holy Spirit. And he will get you to where you need to be. You talk about getting the hookup? Holy Spirit will get you the hookup. There you go, there you go, there you go. And let me end this thing, because some of you are rushing to get to the restaurant already. <laughs> I can look at you, tired of all the turkey and the leftovers at home. You want to go out and get something new. So give me another eight minutes, and then I'll be out of here. But then you still got the rest of the service. First thought, people are lost because of choices that they make. God doesn't send anybody to hell. If people go to hell, it's based on choices. You chose not to believe in Jesus. You chose not to have a relationship with him. He's all around you, reaching out for you, or reaching out toward you. 
But people like darkness. You remember in those verses where there's a contrast between light and darkness? People love darkness because their deeds were evil. You can't see the dirty deeds in the dark. But when light comes along, it exposes it. And so folk will be lost because of the choices that they make. And our response is just like Jesus, simply share with them what the new birth is all about. They have to then choose what they're going to do. Help folk to understand God really loves you. He let his only begotten son down across for you. You don't know anybody on earth who will give up a child for you. You don't, you don't know anybody who will do that for you. And, and in spite of uh, Valentine's Day and romance and folks saying, I would die for you, you don't really know anybody that will put themselves in harm's way for you. Now, we'll say that on a greeting card. Or some of you like Prince's song, I Would Die For You. Anybody remember that one? I know it's old school. But that's a nice song. Folk won't even be inconvenienced for you. What makes you think they're going to die for you? Okay, you married folk. Next time the alarm goes off, there's a noise downstairs. See, sisters, if your husband get up and check on it, or if he elbows you and ex expects you to go see what's wrong. Just a little advice for you single sisters. If a man is going to send you in harm's way, you don't need to marry him. But God really loves us. He was willing to give, or not willing, he gave his only son for us. That's love. Third thought. Let go of whatever it is you need to let go so you can hold on to Jesus. Nicodemus needed to let go of past religious beliefs. He needed to let go of past religious traditions because that stuff was clouding his ability to see who Jesus was. And we got a lot of people in our world today who do not know who Jesus is. They just think he's a good teacher. He was a good prophet. Jesus is God's son. He's God in the flesh. And just like the people in the Old Testament, when the snakes came, need to look up at the serpent on the pole, people today need to look up and see Jesus. Amen. And once you look at him and you lock eyes with him, keep on looking at him. Amen. Follow him. Then the final thought is intellectual awareness is not enough. Yeah, a lot of folk who know 1 plus 1 equals 2, 2 plus 2 equals 4, 5 plus 5 equals 10, and the list goes on and on. Uh, they know this about God, or they've heard this about God, but they're not willing to put their trust in him. You and I really don't know God until we're willing to trust him. You don't know Jesus until you're willing to walk out on faith and heed his instructions of being born again and recognize it is a continual transformation that occurs. That's what allows us to treat people right, to love folk who don't love us. It allows us to make sacrifices that folk who are still caught up in the world never will understand. That's why you need to stop listening to people who criticize your faith. They don't have any. 
And so they want you to be just like them. And so they'll talk about you. spend all that time at the church house. You're there all day on Sunday. You give all that money. Yes, and you ought to say, I wish I could give more. You can't put a price on life. But because those folk love darkness rather than they love light, and they don't want to be lonely. They want some other people to be in darkness with them. They say a whole lot of stuff, and because we don't have the confidence and the commitment we ought to have, we cave. We cave. And then we wonder why we can't convert those folk. See, the church is designed to be differently. We are designed not to act like everybody else. There needs to be a, a, a distinguishing line that says these are God's people based on their actions. Not because they're saying they're God's people, but they're just something about how they live. Uh, they, they come to work on time. 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 They come to school on time. They come to school prepared with their homework already done. They come to worship service on time. They come to Bible class on time. Now, since I'm still here and haven't ended my sermon, <laughs> one of the things that we said a couple weeks ago is because we were, we were learning that latecomers were disturbing the Bible classes downstairs when you guys would come in late and come through there where the classes are. Uh, it's, the coffee and donuts are over, but you're still grabbing coffee and donuts, uh, interfering with the, the education structures going on, and then you slither up these stairs over here. Yeah, slither. So what we said is, for people who come in late, so that we're not disturbing the Bible classes, you guys got to come through this door. Now, just this morning, just, just this morning, we had a whole bunch of folk who came in, felt no sense of shame about being late for Bible class. But you've been born again. I'll leave it there. This day, if you have heard the lesson, and I know you've heard it well, if you have a statement, you have a prayer request, or you have a statement that you'd like to make, uh, or a statement of confession, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that. For those who are streaming, if you have a response, uh, we're going to ask that you would send in your prayer request uh, to the media ministry, and they will uh, share it with the body at the appropriate time. God has been too good to us to be half-stepping with him. It is time we embrace the new birth. If for no other reason, you came through COVID. You're still here. And we got millions of folk who had COVID who are dead. Unless you think we're still not through with COVID. God has been protecting us in spite of the fact that some of us have put ourselves at risk. Don't play Russian roulette with your life. All of us have a death date. You know, on the tombstone, birthday. Then you get a hyphen. And then we got another date. 
The second day for some of us may be 2021. No, uh, you know, we still got, got 30 days next month, 31 days, whatever it is. I got a couple more days. Okay, so we still got a few more days. You haven't made it to the new year yet. So if this were my last few weeks, how do you think you ought to be living your life? And the reality is we need to live that way because we never know when we're living our last few weeks. Think about that as we stand and sing the song of encouragement.